Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Friday Views brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman. You guys already know the deal. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host on Dishes and Dimes. Dishes and Dimes. I can't pronounce words today. Hi, Katie. How are you? Dishes and Dimes. I'm good. I'm good, Iman. Thank you for you having me. I would know how to pronounce it after a few years. Um, it's hard to say quickly. It is. Uh, you're good. You're good. You know, why you may be feeling even better is this a segue it's not but we're gonna we're gonna roll with it the Toronto <laughs> Raptors have finally won a basketball game they're winning basketball games they're just coming off of a win against the San Antonio Spurs where they decided no no Greg Popovich you will not be making history today what are your thoughts on that game that just happened uh I love that they kept that away from me too me too I- I love it. I love that even Fred, I think Fred was asked about it post game and he was like, yeah, it was a little bit of an incentive for us. I was like, good for you, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they're saying that, you know, okay. So I was thinking about this and I was just going through it and maybe I'll do something on it in the future. A lot of history has been made against the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Like, of course we know the Kobe 81, but also Don Nelson, who was mm-hmm. Greg Popovich's mentor, he got the his winningest coach of the year record against the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors head coach in previous years, Lenny Wilkins was also the winningest NBA head coach, which was always my favorite because whenever the broadcast would do that, they'd be like the winningest coach in NBA history, Lenny Wilkins. And then there would be an asterisk and it'd also say the losingest coach in NBA history. (laughs) I'm like, so he's just coached the most games. That's all I'm getting from this. It was always really funny. Um, but just in preparation for, for talking about this, I went back and I looked at that Don Nelson game. My goodness, that was a nail biter. That was a fun game. Now I know nobody cares to like go back 12 years ago and actually talk about it. But can I just tell you, I'm just going to give you a quick Please. synopsis of the last 30 seconds of that game. Okay, 30 seconds or so. The Raptors are down three points to the Golden State Warriors. Stephen Curry, who was a rookie at the time, goes to the free throw line. Yeah, he's a rookie, but it's still Stephen Curry. You expect him to make both? No, he misses both. So <laughs> he has a chance to put the, the Warriors up two possessions, but ends up nothing happening. The Raptors go the other way. I don't know how, but Chris Bosh is at the free throw line. Chris Bosh has the opportunity to bring the Raptors within one, and he does that. So now the Raptors are done one, one point with like five seconds or something left in the game. Warriors inbound the ball in the baseline, and there's a turnover. Chris Bosch gets the ball and puts it up, but he misses and the Raptors lose that way. But that was way more entertaining than the game yesterday that the Raptors played or (laughs) Wednesday night, (laughs) if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, So I thought I'd bring it up because you know what? It was probably more entertaining than talking about the Raptors game, but let's do that because (laughs) that's what people care about. Not a game from 12 years ago. Um, Maybe they should. (laughs) I I want to say, 
I want to say quickly what you said about uh, Don Nelson's record. I feel like that's a good approach to just like life in general, you know, and just to, to remember that like, yeah, you're not, you can't always be the winningest at everything without just like being the losingest sometimes. Too. It happens sometimes. It happens yeah. sometimes. It was always really funny. Um, so, so the Raptors beat the San Antonio Spurs. Finally, they win a game and not against the Long Island Nets. It's a game against a, a real NBA team. And the Raptors came out in the second half. That's really where they did it. They came out in the third quarter. Scotty Barnes had a phenomenal game. Pascal Siakam had a phenomenal game. And I think all of that was because of the point guard. You mentioned him, Fred Van Vliet, his return. What were your thoughts on, on how Fred looked in his, in his game back? I thought he looked great. I thought he looked... Um bouncy, calm. Uh, I thought the game looked incredibly organized just because it was like back in his orbit. And I think that was like, that had been my worry. And I was like, is it just because Fred's gone in the last like stretch of games? And it's like, yes, it was just because Fred was gone. (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, I think he looked fantastic. It didn't look like, you know, uh, anything was really bugging him. Uh, it it looked like it was good for him to take those three days out and just like rest, even if things weren't serious, sometimes it's good to like get ahead of things like that, especially this time in the season, right? Nobody's at hundred percent. He also played 34 minutes instead of 43 minutes yesterday, which is great. Yeah. That's like a vacation. I feel like it's like another game off. Yeah. (laughs) Um, no, but I think, I think he looked great and I, you can't really like underscore enough how much the team obviously benefits for like being back uh, under ah. his control. <laughs> I mean, I think you, you said it. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, watching it, it just felt like everyone played their role, which mm-hmm. was something that they could not do in Fred Van Vliet's absence. You had Pascal Siakam not, you know, he didn't lead the team in field goal attempts. He was sort of taking things in the rhythm of an offense instead of trying to generate everything himself. Um, Scotty Barnes did not have to play the, the point guard role, right? <laughs> like, uh, you could take the, it, it, Scotty is such a treat. Like, how do you go from being point guard Scotty to, to center Scotty, you know, the next game? Like, that was so much fun, but you did sort of get to see him in, in his most optimal role on the offensive end, which is just kind of, you know, grabbing up every single board and just honestly against one of the league's better defensive centers, really putting on a show and muscling through. It's crazy to think that this kid is only 20 years old, mm-hmm. like, the strength and size that he has to just get inside and dominate there was a lot of fun, but you get to watch these guys kind of play in their roles and everything just felt a little bit more natural than when it had, when Fred was out and everyone was having to do everything else essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's those games you realize, I think how much um, like Kyle Lowry, how much Fred Van Vliet does that just like, you don't, you don't miss it unless it's gone. Like you don't yeah. see it. And like, that's the beauty and like the skill of a player and players like Fred Van Vliet, right. That just like kind of optimize the floor, no matter what's going on. Like they, yeah. they, they tidy up. It's more than just like kicking everything under the rug, <laughs> like tidying up, you know, as they go, it's, I, I, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, it's just like skills, skill sets that don't really show up. Um, certainly like in any of the numbers. Yeah. But the, the team had really, really, really been missing and looking a little bit strung out, I think. Uh, before. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think I think 
part of why I wasn't too mad about it. Now, it's so funny because last week, just talking to Raptor fans, like people were just so, it was so depressing. Everyone was really sad, Um, right? Like just when you come off from like winning eight straight and you're feeling yourself for seven or however many games it was to just losing to the Magic and the Pistons and the, like, it was a depressing time. Um, But I think the mantra that I just continuously repeat in my head is that it's a, it's a year of, what's the word I'm looking for? Clearly not a mantra I repeat long enough because I can't think of the word development. It is a developmental year. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and everything is, like, I'm fine with, with Scotty taking that sort of point guard role. In fact, I wanted him coming off the bench so that he could do that a little bit more because when the starting lineup is there, that's a really complete starting lineup. And, and Scotty isn't even the tertiary option. Scotty becomes the fifth option when you're talking uh-huh. about OG as your tertiary option and then Gary Trent when he's on. So allowing Scotty to be a little bit more of the focal of, uh, point of the offense, allowing him to handle the ball and really seeing what he does in those roles, allowing Fred, I mean, uh, not Fred, but Pascal to really force the issue sometimes, I think is, is I think there's benefit to that because uh-huh. everything that they're doing this year is not about this year. Like nothing that happens at the end of the season really matters. Of course, you want guys to be healthy and you want them to go as deep as they can because winning is fun. But ultimately this season doesn't matter as much. Like not to keep talking about Raptors of the past, but it it kind of reminds me of that 2014 Raptors team mm-hmm. where um, they win 48 games. Yes, they were a very you know good team in the regular season. They lose in game seven on a heartbreaker to the to the Brooklyn Nets who were a better team in that you know there were guys that had won championships and been there before and that team was different because that team had a bench and the Raptors do not have a bench and like but this starting five is more complete than that starting five this starting five is better than that starting five and I think even though it was heartbreaking to lose in that fashion in the playoffs every Raptors fan kind of walked away feeling optimistic because it wasn't about what happened in that season. It was about where the Raptors could go in the next coming years. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's how we should sort of treat this season. It's not so much what happens this year. And yes, making the playoffs would be nice. Putting a scare into one of those top teams would be nice. Winning a series would be nice, but it's less about that and more about development and all that's to say, let's talk about some of the guys that are developing this year. Not so much, the, the starters. We'll get into them in a second, but I really wanted to talk about Delano Banton. Uh-huh. See someone who's been such a delight. He's had some time with the G League. His first moment as a Raptor on the court was a half-court heave. He's been so much fun to watch. What have you seen from him in terms of his development? I think the time like going back and forth to like the 905 and back to the Raptors has really done him very well, but I think you're seeing that most in his timing and mm-hmm. I think his understanding uh, of where he fits in timing and like the plays of timing. You saw that last night, I think, when he tossed that lob to Precious. Um, like that's just something neither of them would have been able to do. Oh, no. Like months <laughs> ago, like the lob would have gone wide or would have just been like too much velocity behind a pass like that, right? Yeah. Or like Precious would have missed Would not it. have been able to catch it. Yeah, <laughs> but like something just like something there clicking like that just shows to me that yes, he's getting minutes and reps with a nine Oh five. He's getting to kind of play really like fast explosive basketball there. But then when he comes back, he's kind of asked to assimilate. Yes. But also kind of like fit all these new skills together and figure out where they go. Because I think that's the thing, like the Raptor, like what you said earlier, just about like, this is a development year and, and Delano Ben's such a good, example as to why 
because like you have this like plethora of just like explosive, long, really strong players, but at some point you need, they need to like learn how to control themselves and like understand when to unleash certain, like that explosiveness and when to just like hold back, you know? And like Scotty Mm -hmm. Barnes is doing that quite naturally in terms of when like he gives up, you know, like maybe it's not the best time for him to take a shot. Maybe he'll give up the ball to somebody else. Like he's understanding those reads a bit better. I think Delano, that's not what the team's asking him to do, but I think in the same, like in a similar sense, his reads have really, really improved. Um, And like, he's such a confident, like you would never want him to like lose like the cockiness and like the confidence that he has on the floor. So it's nice to see that he hasn't, but I mean, I think anytime you see him, he's just like an energy, he's an energy guy, you know, like it's, it's always like a treat to see him. So I hope that like this range that he played in last night, I think about like 20, like 20 minutes, like 20 ish minutes, right. That feels like a good and like kind of comfortable range for him. And whether that's like backing up Fred Van Vliet or like wherever else Nick nurse wants to put him, um, that feels like a good amount of time for him. Yeah. like meaningful minutes, you know? No, I, I completely agree. And I always think it's really great when a rookie like that can come in and just absolutely change the tempo with his energy that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's like him having that much of an immediate impact anytime he's on the court is also really fun. And you did mention him sort of being the backup point guard to Fred Van Vliet and someone, you know, I didn't even uh, put on the rundown just because I'm so sad that he's hurt. Someone who was playing fantastic before getting hurt, and that's Malachi Flynn. Uh, and we've got to see, you know, the, the, the leash was really tight on Malachi, especially early on in the season. Um, I mean, everyone who was not a starting five, <laughs> was not a part of the starting five. Nick Nurse just didn't really have an appetite to play. But um, he was great in his, um, you know, in the minutes that we didn't have Fred Van Vliet and like doing a lot of the things that we sort of ask and want from Fred in terms of like establishing pace and control and, Mm -hmm. you know, hitting big shots when it's needed. What are your thoughts on on what we got to see from from Malachi? I really liked it. I mean, I think like it's so tough with Malachi because he's kind of in this limbo right where like he never I really stand by the fact that like he got he had like one of the weirdest rookie seasons yeah like every rookie had a weird season last season but like Raptors rookies you know like he not you're not in Toronto you have no semblance of a routine you're kind of asked to establish that now in your sophomore year in the NBA as you come back the team also looks completely different than what it did than when the season ended Mm -hmm. you're being asked to excuse me kind of like you understand a role that you maybe had is now yours to lose yeah just given like the other personnel on the team so I think it was a tough start um and I never I never thought that he sometimes he could look a bit like trepidatious on the floor and you kind of wanted him to just like show the confidence that you know that he has in his game um because his skill never like he's always working on things. Right. And you, you can see that because he's always, I think, stayed ready. So it yeah. was great to just like, see that they were like, all right, now we're relying on you, you know, and he got, got to play with that confidence. He didn't yeah. have to look over his shoulder exactly. every time he made a mistake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that he just like, he, it showed that he was ready. And I think, um, I just hope that there's more <laughs> that, that, they will work him into the rotation in a, in a meaningful way now. You know what I mean? Like, and I understand it's tough. There are a lot of guys like opting for those minutes, but to me, if you want to be careful about the management of Fred's minutes, especially as he's kind of coming back to hundred percent, it makes sense to me 
to, to utilize Malachi Flynn. And like, another thing is like, Malachi is not going to be like Delano. He's not going to go back and forth to nine Oh five to the Raptors. Like that's, I don't really think that would serve him in the same way. So it's tough. Like he's had a tough season and I think it is very heartening to see that he's like, he's still ready to make the most of it. Yeah, I know. Uh, Now, someone who I thought would go back and forth, at least at the start of the season, I I was talking to Heat fans and and, uh, Heat podcasters and writers and and just saying, I think that that's kind of the the route it's going to going to be for for a guy like Precious Achua, you know, um, Mm -hmm. the law mate. But that's not been the case. And I think in large part, that's because the Raptors needed him (laughs) and like they could not uh they needed as many bodies as they could get and and he plays such a vital role for what this team needs especially just you know being able to to guard big guys Mm -hmm. um but he's been I mean like you you just mentioned it his ability to catch that lob one thing from Delano is not anything I would have expected uh from him earlier this year and I, I saw a tweet I think it was from Seagal who said um that he's shooting like 37 or 38 percent from deep since January 1st um and he's my favorite three-point shooter he is you know move over on Jerry Bargnani he is the enigma of all enigmas now (laughs) um my favorite thing about his threes are that they never hit rim like there was one against the Cavs and I tweeted it out I was like oh my gosh a precious three hit front rim they never hit rim it's either all net like a swish or it's an air ball or it's hitting like the top of the backboard and has like no chance. Like he's either missing by a ton or making it. And just either way, he's allergic to the rim. It's so much fun watching him shoot regardless of what, where that journey takes us. Um, it's always a fun treat with Precious Achua. What have you seen from him in terms of his development uh, this season? I really, I mean, I was like a Precious, I think I was a Precious Achua fan, like since I saw him playing in summer league. And I just thought like, wow, this is a really complete player. Um, I think you saw some growing pains, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like probably earlier to mid in the season when it just seemed like, you know, there were times we want to talk about how good Scotty has been at recognizing when the best opportunities might not come from him. Sometimes Precious and Chua have trouble <laughs> recognizing the same things and like, yeah. you know, wanting to get a little bit ISO, um, kind of missing calls, you know, and like missing, missing those reads that we talked about earlier uh, and I, I, part of me was like, okay, is this just a guy who's like trying to establish himself in the rotation who wants to like play to his confidence and show the coaches that like, yeah, maybe I'm going to like ding up a read here, but I'll make up for it. Like in this yeah. other way, because I think defensively, he's also shown like such capability and yeah. much more, I think, versatility than I would have anticipated. Yeah. Uh, like right off the bat, especially for just like some of the some of like the defenses that Nick nurse throws out there. Um, but I think it's, it's, so it's, it feels like a nice, like full circle a little bit to see him now come around and like to be this, um, especially on a team that always needs, always is in need of another shooter <laughs> yeah. to like see those numbers climbing, you know, and climbing kind of reliably. It makes me feel like what we're seeing in precious is here to stay. You know, I believe him when he said earlier in the season, when he, he was talking to Kim, about like how how Cam was like really pushing him to just work on the basics and the fundamentals and to like keep things as simple as he could. And I really think that's gotta be tough for a player like Precious Achua, um, Delano Bands the same way, but like guys that are as close to positionless, if you want to call it that, right, than not, because they're being asked to do so much yeah. in any given game. Like 
that's a difficult skill set for anyone to learn, let alone when you're just like your second year really in the MBA. Uh, and it's on a wild team. to me to think yeah. about it as well. It's so crazy exactly. to think that it's only his second year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause I think again, like he looks, he just like looks so much more complete, but like yeah. when, uh, yeah, when he, it just must be tough to like hold all that in your head and then to be like, okay, but I also have to be like, uh, like a, you know, a really reliable shooter. Like a, I have to work on my handle. Like I have to get these reads, right. You got to like stick certain things. And I feel like he really did. He maybe had to like pin down some of the basics for himself before he could like really accelerate into this new gear. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to see him get some run with the 905 is he can do so much mm-hmm. that he just gets in his head and tries to do everything at one time. And you're just like, slow down a little bit. Like, let's calm down a little bit. And I think he's playing a lot more within himself. Uh, he's still going to have moments where I'm just like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? But more, but I feel like those are fewer and far between now than they were at the start of this year. Um, his shooting has just been like, ridiculous to watch from the corners just his ability to do that something that the Raptors really going to need moving forward and I'm just like waiting on the days that like Siakam and Scotty and like if you have your six nine guys being able to shoot if that's what the Raptors are banking on because part of me is like yes if you look at what the Raptors need they need more shooters they need to be able to bring guys in in the offseason who can shoot I was a really big proponent of getting a guy like Eric Gordon at the trade deadline the Raptors need shooting but also the Raptors are a team that believe they can teach shooting. You know, you can't teach a guy to be 6'9". You can't teach a guy to have a seven-foot wingspan. You can't teach a guy to be as athletic as most of these guys are on the team. But you can teach a guy to shoot. And we're seeing that with Precious. And we're seeing, we saw it, you know, initially with OG Ananobi, he came into the the league as a guy who can't shoot and was a lights-out shooter from day one for the Raptors. I don't, I don't really know what that's about. But um, it's clearly something that they're banking on their ability to teach guys. And anytime I get like a little bit down on the Raptors lack of shooting, I'm just like, if one of these six, nine guys hit or like if two of these six, nine guys hit um, the Raptors are going to be a very scary team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's always a lot of fun, but, but precious, the enigma of all enigmas. I'm so excited for what he can become because he's, one of the most fun players that you can watch just because it's a roller coaster every single time. It really is. It really is. I mean, and it all, it goes back to like the point that you said earlier of like, this is a development year also in understanding what you can ask of a lot of these guys, right? Like, and, and how complete they are this season. And you have to know that going into the off season where you're looking to retool a little bit, right. And tweak here and there, you're not trying to make any drastic moves. At least I don't really think the team should be um and like based on what the market looks like this summer it's not really a worthwhile thing to do like you've got so much talent um I think this was a season to ask as much as you could from players you know if if it's like in Scotty Barnes's case like put him everywhere yes some game he's going to be the point guard (laughs) another game he's going to be around like he'll be center maybe like it doesn't you want you want to test and like push and stretch in that way a postseason run would be great because it would give just like more experience you know but that's not as you said like that's not been the goal for the season and I think like to 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 stay sane and like a happy fan (laughs) to to remind yourself that like that that was never this is a developmental year and everything else is just like a nice bonus 
Exactly. And I, I kind of like liken it to, to the Cavs this season. I don't think that like it's a disappointment or it's a disappointing season for the Cavs if they lose out in the first round of the playoffs. I think that they mm-hmm. should see this as a developmental year. They happen to be deeper than the Raptors, um, which is why they I think that they're better. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Better than the Raptors, they've had real terrible injury luck uh, as well, but they've just had more depth. They've, they've had, you know, Kevin Love coming off the bench, you know, Ricky Ruby up the start of the season before getting injured. They've had guys, um, that the Raptors just haven't had. And, um, but I also think that like, if the Raptors and the Cavs are at the same point in April or May, it wouldn't be surprising to anyone. And both teams could walk away being like, yep, that was a developmental year. Let's try again next year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and build on what we could do, uh, or what we did this year. So yeah, all that's to say. (laughs) <laughs> developmental year all right so let's actually move over to to because every time we talk about the fact that this is a developmental year for the team we're talking about guys like scotty barnes and precious achua malachi we just sort of went through the gauntlet of guys that we focus on but i want to talk about some of the more established guys as well because i think this is a developmental year for the raptors as a whole mm-hmm. so i'm gonna throw some names at you and i want you to give me one thing that they can develop on this season or off season to bring into next season to, to push the Raptors sort of over the hump that they're at right now. Are you ready? I think so. All right. Let's actually, let's start off with our rookie because we didn't actually get time to touch on him. We talked about precious Malachi and Delano, but we didn't get time to talk about Scotty. So let's start off with, with Scotty Barnes. What are you looking for him to add to his game? That's tough because like he might be the hardest one because I think he's added He's added everything to his game. You know, this every game, every time this season, you're like, wow, he's like hit another echelon. Like we really didn't expect him to be here this quickly. You know, he'll just kind of turn around and add to it again. Um, I, I've maybe this is just like a tweak, but like maybe his handle just because I have seen, and I understand like the criticism of it, but I also think that he looks so comfortable like, because he can like dribble way at where his arm is, like that obviously works for him, you know, and I haven't really seen it trip him up, but it does really make him open to turnovers. So I don't know, maybe just like keeping things a little bit closer to the body. Um, I think sometimes in transition, it can trip him up a little bit. So maybe his handle, I think it was like two seasons ago, OG went away and worked on his handle uh, in the summer and he came back like, and you could just tell, like, it just looks so much better. Yeah. So that's it. Honestly, I also just like 
Scotty should have an off season. Take some time off. Scotty, go sightseeing. Take a look at yeah. Niagara Falls. Do, yeah. do the, the tour that Kawhi did before leaving us. Um, do that entire <laughs> tour. Um, get get all of Canada as, as much as Canada. Don't end it the same way. Yeah, yeah, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Uh, come back and you'll you'll get to experience all of the winter fun uh, the following year. What do we have in the winter? We've got you know we in the fall we have Nuit Blanche. In in the winter we have the Christmas market. There are tons of things for you to see next season as well. Don't worry, Scotty. Um, all right. So next up on the list, another young guy, Gary Trent Jr. What are you looking for him to improve um, in the off season? I'd say like I'd say shooting just because he came into that like this relatively late with the team this season as also being asked to be the kind of like spot up shooter um I think he is good in, in situations where he has an opening but I would like to see him learn to like not learn because again I'm not trying to play he doesn't know how to do this but to capitalize more on like creating those moments right mm. and like shot creation in that sense because that's something the raptors always need um yeah. like even at the best of times you know so gary just like keep keep doing what you're doing i kind of like that for both of for both of the guys so far you've kind of just mentioned improving on what they're already good at mm-hmm. so it's not like even just like a whole other skill set it's just like you you're here you sort of fit a role on this team for a reason and it's just improving um on that there all right let's go to the next guy up uh og ananobi who oh my gosh it feels like a lifetime since i've seen him play basketball but uh oh like og i just want him to stay well so like i don't know how you can improve um (laughs) no sightseeing with with scotty barnes og but like wrap yourself in bubble bubble wrap um I don't know like knowing OG he'll go he will go like have he'll work out like probably all summer you know Mm. and and like work on something especially because again once again like he didn't get the runway that I've actually wanted to see I think every season since he's like since he was drafted he's like he hasn't had an uncomplicated uninterrupted season and I just always wish that for him um so maybe that's what I want for him but that is like you know, that's just like the fates that has to do with the fates and not with OG. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. OG very much feels like the glue of this team. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what? We need you healthy for the entirety of a season, OG. I know we please, please. Um, Pascal Siaka, what do you, what do you want um, Pascal to improve on? You know, I wouldn't mind uh, to see some playmaking, more playmaking from Pascal. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's like too much, too much it. to ask for. But I feel like he could do it, especially if the Raptors are ever going to go out and like try and mirror the Kawhi success in the sense of targeting like another, you know, like a number one kind of superstar. Like if Pascal's not going to be your number one superstar, but you bring somebody else that's in and is really big. You want him to be able to be like fluid around that. And I know that's like a big, if I'd like him to work on his playmaking, even just, just like if the team stays as it is, Yeah, I think it just like opens a lot up. I also think it would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for it. I love giving the six, nine guys the ability to handle the ball. 
um, and, and play make. Also, just all of them shoot so that I can be really happy next season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, you know what? Pascal is another one. We, we just sort of talked about it with OGN and Obi's seasons always being interrupted. Pascal, when was the last time that he had an offseason that wasn't interrupted? I feel like it might have been yeah. the championship year and we saw him come in the next season, shoot lights out, you know, because he had the ability to practice that. His handle got tighter because he had the ability to practice that. And, and since then he hasn't really, so we haven't been able to see him add other elements to his game. And so just allowing him an off season to actually work on his game for the first time since he became an all NBA player. I'm excited for that. So mm-hmm. I just stay healthy. Cause I think this summer could be massive for, you know, next season's Pascal Siakam. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I think it could be a lot of fun. It's true. Cause it's like, it's it'll be the first off season in two seasons, like two summers. Yeah, it's true to the kind of old or like traditional routine that these guys are used and to. Even though the other one before that would have been so short because yeah, hey, you were the last team standing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So he hasn't really he hasn't really been able to have a full off season to truly work on his game. I'm so excited for it because anytime we've seen that from Pascal the jumps that he's made are not just minimal. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think he could have a really big year. I'm knocking on all sorts of wood right now. <laughs> um, all right. So next up, the leader of the team, Freddie Vondelay, Freddie All-Star, whatever they call him. What, what are, he has so many names. Fred Van Vliet, what are your thoughts? What does he need to, what would you like to see him improve on? heading into next season he kind of feels like the adults in the room like even really talking about does. pascal they're like the yeah. same age like a few weeks apart um i like there's something about fred that just feels i feel like fred would have been an adult as a kindergartner you know what i mean like he would have been the stern faced kid being like don't throw toys um he just feels like such the adult in the room but what do you what are you looking for well like fred kind of on that note i'm also of the mind to be like, what do I know to tell Fred Van Vliet as like the adult? Like, you know, you're right. Like that he wouldn't just kind of look at you sternly and be like, really? <laughs> because I also think a lot of what I would ask for, he's already doing. Like, mm. I, I, like I didn't expect him to, to be this ready this fast into like being the leader of the team in the way that he's, he's had to like step into that role. But like, it just shows how how much he it was just like watching with like a like eagle eye and photographic memory like everything Kyle Lowry you know had been doing um and he was like ready to put his own spin on it I I think this feels like a cop-out but I can't I don't think there's anything <laughs> I know I think that's completely fair um Fred is I mean like the, the things like the, the things that people sort of poke in his game, he's either completely improved. Like I had never been the biggest Fred Van Vliet fan. So I, I can't speak today, but this season, and I think last season as well, I completely changed my tune. I'm just like, well, Fred is that guy. Like he's just, mm-hmm. he's improved so much. And I, I think he kind of came into this, um, into his career a little bit. And I kind of get it as a, a bet on yourself type of guy. He was someone who bet on himself on the court probably a little bit too much um, where, you know, there'd be a seven footer at the um, right in front of the basket and he would still drive in without actually looking anywhere else <laughs> on the court. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of tunnel vision in his game that's completely changed. I think his ability to see the floor, his ability to read defenses 
he gets doubled every single time and is making the right read and the right pass ahead of time every single time. Like he, he just has so much poise and control with which he plays that I don't think was always there. Sometimes it would just be him barreling towards the basket. Um, and now the way that he contorts his body, even mm-hmm. to get those finishes, like he's never going to be an elite finisher, someone who is barely six feet tall on a good day. Um, but he's still like watching him in transition, absolute bucket, right? Which is something that we wouldn't have said three or four years ago. His playmaking has improved his mid-range game. Like I remember, uh, when was the last time the Raptors had a Christmas game? That was um, the year of the bubble. I think that was like the first, there was something that I read or some heard at the game where it was like, his first mid-range shot of the season. And I'm just like, it's December 25th. Like <laughs> basketball <laughs> have been played for like two months at this point. Um, and he's completely changed that. And that was what, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So every aspect of his game, he's com- he's just improved. And I, what I'm looking for next season from him is just continual improvement in those areas. And also just stay healthy because this team needs you. Like They can't do anything without you. They need the adults on the court. Uh, and in the room at all times. So yeah, that's all I'm looking for for Fred. He's just not enough good things to say about Fred Bentley, Pascal Siakam, and, and, and these guys this season. Um, last person that I did want to ask you about, someone who um, I've been known to, to maybe um, be an apologist for, um, that's Nicholas Nurse. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on Nick? What would you like for, for Coach Nurse to improve on uh, heading into next season? And why is it giving Malachi Flynn more minutes? Yeah, it's giving Malachi Flynn more minutes. Uh, it's not, it's like dusting off Utah Watanabe, who I feel like you've just forgotten about, uh, or you've forgotten about that he's a great defensive option. Mm-hmm. If he's not giving you the offensive, like the offense that you want from him, like it can, you know, he can, he can work. He works very well. And he'll keep the defense office. He, uh, he's not going to, he's not one of those guys. He'll keep the defense honest and that he's not one of those guys that's going to pass up the three. <laughs> he might not yeah. make it, yeah. but he's not going to be passing it up, which sometimes what you want as well. I think um, where I will be critical of Nick Nurse is I think he has sometimes can get in a rut in terms of what he is asking of from the team and isn't necessarily like for someone who is as creative Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as he he's been in the past you know and obviously not afraid to take chances try weird things um he does still get get caught up in ruts he's done that I think recently like through what the offenses that he's asking of from the team um I think it's been a lot more focused on like ISO kind of play which is weird to me because that's never been in the DNA of any Raptors team I mean, yeah yeah especially and and like I know this one is largely different but like your mainstays your main guys that's not how they learned to play basketball and like that's not how they kind of came up in the team so I think you know the offense is always like more generative of itself when everybody's getting touches there's a lot of ball movement you know um it's like yeah it's just like a lot of quick smart passing um and that has like maybe again maybe that was just like Fred being out for a little bit but uh Nick Nurse seemed to get really stuck there so I think like I know you got to, it's like a fine line of like wanting to push your players, but you also got to at times let them play to their strong suits. Right. And like, let them play to their skills because you have to keep your job is also to like keep their confidence up. 
and yeah. to foster that in them. And there's so many young players on this team, you know, and kind of players who didn't necessarily get a fair shake or a lot of minutes in the situations that they left or were in just before the Raptors. So I am not always a fan of like the tough love <laughs> approach of McNurse because sometimes I think it just doesn't work, you know, like anyway, that's, that's my, no, I completely, Nick nurse is like alternate universe Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> because, uh, like I'm sure he, he says a lot, he's got a lot of funny sayings like a Ted Lasso, but yeah, that, that part that you just said about uplifting your players are not really hitting their confidence. Not, you know, Nick Nurse's trunk suit. Um, he's not really one to bite his tongue in front of the media when he doesn't like what a player does. But also, I, I think you're, I think you're right in that we almost talk about Nick Nurse as though because he's like this creative genius and box and one and look how like out of the box his thinking is. And you know, he comes in and he's like, we're actually going to start to stagger Jonas and Sergi Baca and like all of these things that you know, out of the box thinking, sure, but he's also very rigid um, Mm -hmm. in that, you know, you bring in guys like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Stanley Johnson. He's like, they're not playing championship level basketball, like defense. So they're not, like, they're known for their defense. That's all they do. (laughs) But he's like, they're not playing up to par with, you know, the way that we play here. So they're actually, and that's in practice. So they're not going to get any run in the regular season. And I think we're starting to see the drawbacks of that because, Mm -hmm. Hey, like Fred, Pascal, OG, Gary, they can't continuously play 40 plus minutes a night because you're reluctant to play any of your bench guys because they're not producing on the defensive end the way that you want them to do in in practice. But then you're also watching this Raptors team and you're like, no one is producing defensively like you want them to. Like the Raptors have stretches where they look phenomenal on the defensive end. And I think that that's kind of been a critique from a lot of Raptor fans as well is that the defense that the Raptors deploy is like very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because defense is played on a string because you are starting a rookie who sometimes, and I think he's gotten a lot better, has looked lost (laughs) at times, uh, Mm -hmm. especially early on in the season um, when you don't have a guy like Pascal Siakam, when OG Ananobi is taking on so much of the offensive load, you know, his defense wasn't, um, you know, OG Ananobi level defense, at least at the start of the season. And so you have these sort of breaks in your starting five and you're still playing this aggressive style defense instead of like, hey, maybe we need to change certain things because it doesn't match the roster that we currently have. Um, and that's not an adjustment that Nick Nurse has made on the offensive end or on the defensive end. Instead, he's like, this is what we do. And we're going to continue to do it this way. And you guys are going to learn how. Uh, and I think that can pay off for the Raptors. I think in the long run, it can play off because... I think Masai Ujiri and Nick Nurse are kind of of the same mind. At least it looks like the front office is of the same mind with Masai, mm-hmm. with um, Nick Nurse and that they're bringing in guys that theoretically should fit what he's trying to do, at least on the defensive end. But it also kind of reminds me of the story that we read about with Nate Bjorkren uh, last year, that sort of expose where a big part of it was like, the roster does not fit what Bjorkman is trying to run on the court. (laughs) You cannot be asking this much of Sabonis defensively. Um, And, and it, it felt like Bjorkman kind of came from the same mind of, of Nick nurse, which is like, this is how we run things. And it didn't really matter that it didn't fit the roster. And that was different because the front office and, and the coaching staff were not aligned. So the roster did not make sense to what the coach was doing. And that's why that didn't work out. Whereas here you can kind of see a vision for it because there is some sort of alignment. Um, That was a lot of words. I'm not sure if a lot of that made sense, but that's kind of the way that I see it. So (laughs) Nick, 
be a little bit more malleable, you know, have fun. Maybe yeah. go sightseeing with Scotty and OG and that will brighten your mood and you can come in next year a little bit more like Ted Lasso and not his, you know, um, darkest timeline alternate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to close off on one last part, um, which is, you know, Ben Simmons is returning to Philadelphia today and that's what everyone is talking about. Um, and everyone's talking about all of the booze that could be rained down on him. And I'm seeing lots of comparisons to, you know, Vince Carter's return to the Toronto Raptors. Um, and, you know, Raptors had a similar thing, obviously not to the same degree with Goron coming back here and getting the boo treatment anytime he touched the ball. What are your thoughts on the whole mess of booing players and then maybe the reception that Ben Simmons might get tonight? Um, I have to say, I thought the Gorhan booing was funny because it mostly speaks to like how few players in Raptors history have like warranted booze. Because to me, the like the spectrum of like Vince Carter to like Gorhan Dread, like they are not close, right? To like what they did or like their impacts. It's been a very cushy last decade, okay? Yeah, we we need like, something to be upset by. We wanted the boo. So like I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so I was for that. Uh, I was at the game when the booze like for Vince Carter turned into tears finally and they ran a montage for him and he cried. I cried. I feel like everybody was crying and it was beautiful. And I still think about that. I don't think Ben Simmons is ever going to get that (laughs) in Philadelphia, though, because it's a different franchise. It's a different fan base, to put it politely. Um, It's like a different situation with Ben Simmons uh, as well. He I'm, means less to that franchise. Too, yeah, I agree. The yeah, meant to. I agree. Um, so I guess I'm, the boos are going to have, like the thing with the boos is they're going to happen no matter what. Like if someone starts booing, it'll get picked up. They're definitely going to happen with Ben Simmons. So I think like if they, if it seems like, if you understand why it sort of fits the circumstance, then I don't think it's, you should like pretend to be surprised by it. You know what I mean? Like or Ben Simmons knows. By it. Yeah. Like Ben Simmons knows <laughs> what he's getting into. So, and I think they're going to rain down on him like the whole time. Oh yeah. Me too. Me yeah. too. And like, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, the one of like, one of my like early, not really, that's a lie. Okay. So I remember going to a game. It was Raptors versus Spurs speaking of the Spurs, tie into this. And it was like when Vince, one of Vince's like last few games with the Raptors and the boo started then. Mm. And I feel like that's a different treat. Like I'm not for that. I remember like I was like eight or nine and being like, I don't like this, mm. but that I'm not for. Did Vince Carter have a terrible game? Yes. Did it look like he was point shaving? Yes. Um, <laughs> did the booze make sense? Kind of. But um, I, like, I'm not a fan of that, but this, I mean, basketball is fun. It's, it's like, I keep coming back to like, it's, it's grown men playing a, a children's game. And like part <laughs> of what's fun about being a fan is the hyperbolic nature of it all, where like you live and die by how your team plays. But like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think part of that is like the cheering and the booing. It's like creating villains, like Vince, not Vince Carter, Vince Carter for a large part of my life was a villain. Kobe Bryant for a large part of my life was a villain. I cried when Kobe tore his Achilles and I was like, what? <laughs> like this is affecting me in this way. Um, and uh, you know, I cried watching the Vince Carter tribute, not even being at the game. And it's like, 
tying yourself emotionally into this just makes it all the more fun. So I'm mm-hmm. all for that. One little rant that I do want to have, like I haven't spoken enough, <laughs> is people have turned this into, oh, the big bad Sixers fans. Yeah, are Sixers fans harsher than most fan bases? Yes, sure. I'm not going to take that away from them. But I don't know a fan base that has been that supportive of Ben Simmons arguing every single thing for this man. Like Raptor fans know it. How many times did you guys get into it back and forth over like who should be deep, who's a better perimeter defender or who's the best perimeter defender in the NBA? Like they've been so strong in terms of support for Ben Simmons until it turned. And Mm -hmm. I think what, I think where my issue is, everyone mocked him where they were defending him. It was like the league joke. It was the easiest joke to make. It was a joke that was being made when I would be, you know, doing on-air stuff for like non-basketball people who would just be like, oh, well, you know, Ben Simmons doesn't shoot a three or like, you know, what's more likely to happen? Ben Simmons shooting a three or like something else that has nothing to do with basketball um, because that was like the punchline. And so it turning into this being like, oh, Sixers fans are felt for turning on him and not, you know, being mean to him. And that's what this is about when like he was the punchline for everybody else and everyone gets to sort of sit on their high horse. I'm not about, I think that's unfair to Sixers fans. Did they turn on him? Yes, sure. And, but I think this comes down to like, they just want, they're just wanting their player to sort of take accountability for the way that things ended. Um, And I don't know that it's completely fair to just blame them as fans for this entire situation when they have defended him for most of it. So that's my entire thing. I just don't think we can sit back on our high horse, pretend that we haven't made Ben Simmons jokes and pretend that it's just the big bad Sixers fans. I just don't think that's fair. That's a good point. I also think an important thing to remember is everyone eventually got what they wanted. So everyone's happy. You can boo you know what I mean? Like you can boo to your heart's content. Ben Simmons is where he wants to be ostensibly, you know, you got James Harden, Daryl Moore is happy. Sixers fans are happy. And Beat's got his second guy now. Like everything worked out in the way that everybody wanted it to. Maybe that's more reason to boo. All's well that ends well. Yeah. (laughs) And now our podcast comes to an end as well. Thank you so much for joining me, Katie. Um, And thank you, everyone, for for tuning in to another episode of Friday Views. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.